facts, candid conversations, and some levity to lighten your day. This is The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Hey, welcome to Friday. It is the 2nd of February, 2024. It's The Kale Clark Show. We're going to kick off the weekend in style, and you can give me a call right now, 888-914-9149. It's toll-free line to talk to me for free, 888-914-9149. Our listener line sponsored, of course, by the Catholic Order of Foresters Life Insurance. A couple other ways to get a hold of me. Questions, comments, show ideas, become a shadow producer, send me a link, send me a show idea. The email address is klcale at relevantradio.com. And you can find me on the X app at Kale Clark, C-A-L-E, Clark with an E. So as you start the program today, uh, just fresh word, just a few minutes ago, and you might have heard this already uh, if you've been on your phone, if you've been uh, listening to the news, uh, the United States has conducted strikes in Iraq and Syria against Iran's forces and proxies. More than 85 targets have been hit. This is in retaliation, of course, to attacks on U.S. soldiers, which happened a few days ago. So um, this is very, very fresh news. We, we need to continue to pray for peace in the Middle East. And I'll try to give you an update on what's been happening in that situation, what led to this uh, later in the program. So a very serious situation to, to talk about for sure. And of course, today is, used to be called, uh, Candlemas. We're, we're going to talk about that. It's the Feast of the Presentation of the Lord. But I want to talk about its roots as Candle Mass, Mass of Candles, and where that, where that comes from, why this is really important for us on the Kale Clark Show. Plus, we've got the week that was coming up and a lot of fun topics coming your way. So call in right now. If you've got a question or a comment, you can call me, 888-914-9149. So th- this feast uh, of the purification of Our Lady, it's also the presentation of the Lord. It used to be called Candle Mass, as I said. Th- this brings the, used to bring the official end of the of the Christmas season uh, to a conclusion 40 days after Christmas. And it was kind of a nice way that it used to dovetail with Lent, 40 days of Lent, 40 days of Christmas. Um, so there's really no excuse to have your, your lights up. Your, your neighbors can, can honestly give you some guff about this now after Candle Mass. And this is, of course, the day that the Church commemorates the Blessed Virgin Mary, along with St. Joseph, presenting Jesus in the temple. And, of course, that's where they encounter these two great characters, Simeon and Anna, the aged Simeon and Anna, the widow, and... Um, this is where Simeon takes the, the child Jesus into his arms. He blesses God forever, and he says, Now, finally, I can depart in peace. I've seen the Lord's anointed. I've seen the Lord's Messiah. It's, it's really just a, a great uh, feast day because it, it really kind of prolongs the, the light of Christmas because we know that Christ is the light of the world. And this is where the candles in Candlemas uh, come into play as well. Uh, of course, as the gospel tells us, the light shines in the darkness. The darkness has not understood it. And, and in terms of the collective of humanity, a, a relatively small number of people receive it, according to our Lord himself. He says, wide is the gate, broad is the road that leads to destruction. Many find it, but narrow is the gate that leads to life, and few enter through that. So we can only go by what he says. Hopefully there, there's a great number, great money. Of course, Revelation says that. There's a great multitude in heaven that nobody can count. 
Uh, so there's a lot of people there for sure, but tragically, it seems like a lot more uh, will take the road to perdition, unfortunately. But this light uh, of Christ uh, in the Christmas manger just gets brighter and brighter. It continues to shine in the darkness. Of course, Epiphany kind of broadens that light, brightens the light, because that's where we have really a foreshadowing of the church, because the Gentiles come out of, you know, if you, if you could say, the, the, the darkness of, of not knowing about Jesus Christ. And in the persons of the Magi, they meet Jesus, and, and they meet our Lady Seat of Wisdom. He's probably sitting on her knee as if, as if upon a throne. And this is, of course, really meant to evoke the Old Covenant and Bathsheba, who is, of course, uh, the bride of King David, her son Solomon. Bathsheba is the queen mother, and she presents requests from the people to her son, King Solomon. And, of course, there's a great, there's a great um, event in the Old Covenant time where uh, someone makes a request of the king, and it goes through Bathsheba. The queen mother, and this is exactly what what happens with the Magi, because Solomon in Solomon's time, Psalm seventy two talks about the nations bringing tribute to the king of Israel, and this is exactly what's going on with the Magi. They are bringing tribute. Uh, it's kind of a foreshadowing of the the mission of Jesus extending to the nation, to the gent, to the nations, to the Gentiles, and uh, so this is what we see here happening on the Epiphany, of course, and now. As, as the light gets brighter and brighter uh, on, on Candlemas Day, uh, this is where traditionally the faithful would get a candle. And, and usually the candles are, are lit at Mass, of course, by the acolytes, by altar servers. But now, this is when the people used to get, get that candle in their own hands during the Mass, and very often the lights would be turned off. There'd be a candlelight procession in many places. It's really quite beautiful, and it's really a reminder of the baptismal light that we receive uh, the light of Christ that we receive at our baptism, we get the baptismal candle, and uh, we get to we get to hold it once again in a certain sense. At least we used to when 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 this feast was celebrated in that in that way. And so I think it's just a it just there's just so many illusions and so many facts about this this feast that are really just should set us on fire too. And and it's it's quite it's quite um, it's quite something. And this is a, it's, it's really cool to look at the, the reading, too, because um, the first reading, which comes from the book of the prophet Malachi, I'm just going to pull it up here really quickly. As we look at, at Malachi, and really you could say that Malachi was, in essence, the last Old Covenant prophet. I know that, technically speaking, John the Baptist is, but in, in terms of, of, of prophets that come before the time of the Lord, Malachi, in chapter 3, it says this, thus says the Lord God, Lo, I am sending my messenger to prepare the way before me. And suddenly there will come to the temple the Lord whom you seek and the messenger of the covenant whom you desire. So this is pretty awesome. So all of a sudden he will come to the temple. And this is exactly what Jesus does. He, he shows up in the temple in the arms of his mother Mary at the presentation. And it's not, it's not going to be the last time that he appears in the temple in Luke's gospel, it tells us that this account of the presentation. And then right after that, Jesus goes back home to Nazareth, uh, grows up a little bit. And we see him again when he's 12 years old. This is when he's, quote, unquote, lost in the temple. Um, he knows exactly where he is. He's in the father's house, of course. And it's one of 
many, many times that Jesus will appear in the temple. Of course, growing up, he would have went to all the feasts of faith with his family, the great feasts of, of the people of God in Jerusalem. And they would travel in caravans for safety from robbers and danger, uh, always safety in numbers. They would travel down in these big caravans, and they, that's probably why they thought he was okay. He was, he was with maybe other distant relatives or friends from the village of Nazareth, somewhere in the caravan, but no, he wasn't there. He was back in the temple debating with the doctors of the law. And then, of course, he comes back again as he's uh, in his public ministry. In that last week of his life on earth, during Holy Week, he does a lot of teaching in the temple, and that's, that's a big chunk of the Gospels, of course. So the Lord of the temple actually does show up in the person of Jesus of Nazareth. So this is pretty, uh, pretty incredible. <clears throat> and Simeon, of course, this old man who had been waiting for the Messiah and the Holy Spirit had revealed to him that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. One of the things that Simeon says is that Jesus would be a light for the enlightenment of the Gentiles. And again, this is a, a, a big, big reason why uh, this feast was called Candle Mass, and it's just the connection with light, and of course, the light of truth is really what we're talking about here, truth being a person, the person of Jesus. And so, it used to be at this Mass, at Candle Mass, that candles would be blessed. Any candle that you were going to use throughout the year in your home would be blessed and distributed to all the faithful, and people would take them home, and whenever there was family prayers, sometimes they would light these candles um, if there was a bad storm that raged, they would light the candle, pray for peace, pray for safety, deliverance, uh, a crisis in the family. Somebody's wandered away from the truth, they would light that candle. And then also, of course, um, whenever somebody was sick, they would, they would do the same and, and call for the priests of the church to give a sacrament of healing, uh, not only distributing the Eucharist, the Eucharist to the sick, but, but also the sacrament of the anointing of the sick. So it's, it's a really, it's, it's on so many levels, this idea of the light of Christ, not only Christ himself coming to the temple, but the light of Christ in us as well. And we've got to take that light uh, wherever we go. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, as that old song says. And we actually use that, my, my wife and I use that as the, uh, the recessional at our, at our wedding mass, because we really were hoping that. And hopefully we have done this to some level. We haven't been perfect, of course, but but we really wanted our relationship, our marriage, our family to to be a light, to sort of reflect at least the light of Christ. And that's what we all should really do. And then, of course, it's about Our Lady, too, this Feast of Candlemas. There is, of course, the presentation of Our Lord, but there's also this idea of the purification of Our Lady. Not that she needed this in any way, because she didn't have to do this, but of course she did do it. Much as in the same way, Jesus submitted to the baptism of John the baptizer. Not, not because he had any sins to be washed away. He didn't. Um, that was only a baptism of repentance, of course. But Jesus transformed it into the sacrament of baptism. When he entered into the water, he sanctified the water. So he, he did that because it was kind of his way of saying to John, I agree with what you're doing. I, I support your program 100%. In the same way, Mary does do this. She she has no impurity to sort of deal with here, but she's obedient to the Mosaic law, doesn't want to scandalize other people. And she doesn't think that she's too good for this, if you will. She's very, very humble. And humility is such a, 
a foundation for, for everything that God wants to give us. And this is something that St. Paul will talk about in his letter to the Romans. We're going to deal with this on Monday on The Faith Explained, but Paul starts talking about all the spiritual gifts that God has given to us. But he said, before you start thinking about your gifts, before you start thinking about how God wants to use you, the first thing you have to do is remember to be humble. And that word comes from, you know, humus out of the ground, just like Adam was uh, taken up uh, from the ground and created from dust. And that's why on Ash Wednesday, which is coming up pretty soon, on February the 14th this year, you're going to probably go to, it's not it's not actually a holy day of obligation, people don't know that. I, I'm not saying don't go, please go. But people, and even non-Catholics, non-Christians can, and you'll see them coming into Catholic churches. There's something about this that draws people to receive those ashes and the priest will trace the sign of the cross on your forehead. And if you're lucky, it's a sign of the cross. It might be a smudge. They're usually in a rush. There's a lot going on. It's like a Rorschach test. What does this mean? What is the symbol? But, uh, of course, it is supposed to be the cross. And the priest will say to you, remember that you are dust, and unto dust you shall return. So humility has to be the foundation of all of this. And Our Lady certainly certainly was as well. So that's... Uh, Another aspect here, it is it is a Marian feast, even though, uh, technically speaking, it's not. It's it's obviously more about Christ and his presentation and how he is the light. So I want to talk just for a second more about, about Simeon, because Simeon is so, is so great a character for us, because he really represents the fact that in God we're forever young. He, he was, even though he was really old, just just holding Jesus, who is really more ancient than anybody because he's from eternity. The old man holds the Christ child. And as as St. Augustine said, when Simeon the old man held Christ the child, Christ was at the same time ruling the old man Simeon. And, and the Spirit had told him he, he was not going to taste death until he had seen the birth of the Lord's anointed and that word anointed, by the way, the anointed one, it means Messiah. That's what the word Christ means. It's obviously not Jesus' last name. It means the Messiah, the anointed one. And in the Old Covenant, there were three groups of people that were anointed. The priests, the prophets, and the kings were all anointed. Well, Jesus, of course, combines all those offices in his one person. He's our great high priest, as it says in the letter to the Hebrews. And, of course, he is a prophet. He's more than a prophet. But a prophet is someone who speaks the truth of God. He certainly does. He certainly did. And of course, he is also um, a king who rules over everything. He's the king of, of, all, of all the world, the king of, uh, of all eternity. And we share in that. We share in those, that threefold office through our baptism somehow. We, if we're faithful, um, we remain with him. We will rule with him. We will reign with him somehow. As it says uh, in the New Testament, it's a promise. And of course, we share in his office of priest, even if we're not ministerial priests, we're not ordained Catholic priests. Um, some of you are, who are listening, of course, and, and bishops. But we all share in the common priesthood of Christ. Just as in ancient Israel, there were the Levites, this tribe within Israel that were the priests, who were designated for certain liturgical functions, but all of Israel was considered to be a royal priesthood and a holy nation. And in that way, we, we, we all are kind of priests of God. And, and so what, what do priests do? One of the things that they do is try to be a bridge builder, a pontifex, if you will. And that's why the Pope's called the pontifex. And we're, we have to get people 
to God. We have to make sacrifices for people so that they can get to God. And, of course, priests celebrate the holy sacrifice of the Mass, but we have to also make sacrifices, and we have to offer them to God for our friends, for our family members, for our neighbors. And it could be an hour of work well done. It can be going to the dentist and getting your tooth drilled, offering that that pain for someone else who, who really needs it, who, who needs God. There's so many things that we can do to bring our friends and family to the Lord. And so that, we share in that in that priesthood of Christ. And, and so this is what Simeon really kind of recognizes that he is, that Jesus is this great high priest and also the great prophet, the great king, the Messiah. And he obviously was looking forward to, okay, now I can, now I can depart. God promised me I would see the Messiah. I've seen him and now I can depart. In fact, it's part of the divine office that everybody who prays the liturgy of the hours, they pray um, during the night prayer that this, Nunc dimittis, and now I can depart, uh, that Simeon says in the Gospel of Luke. And, and Paul says this too. He says, it's better for me, it's better for me if I depart this body for now. I'm going to get my resurrected body later, but to depart this body and to be with Christ, it's far better. I wish I could, but guess what? In my case, it's not my time yet. I, I've got to stay and I've got to help you guys. And most of us, we don't know when our time's up. We don't know when when God's going to call us home. But if we're here, it's because He wants us to be of service to to other people. And this is this is really one thing we can get out of out of Simeon and his his prophecy about about who Jesus is. And um, just a quick word, by the way, speaking of of Saint Augustine, his uh, mentor, his great mentor, who was also a saint, Saint Ambrose, he talked about Simeon as well. And he said this, quote, See how this just man, still enclosed in his body as by a prison, see how he longs to be freed and to be with Christ, for to be freed and to be with Christ is surely preferable. If you too seek to be delivered from the body, then come to the temple, come to Jerusalem, and there wait expectantly for the Lord's anointed. Receive in your arms the word of God. Embrace it with your works, the arms, as it were, of your faith. Then you will be released and you will not taste death because you have seen life. How lavishly has grace been poured out upon mankind as a result of the Lord's incarnation. So this is, um, this is really important that we need to receive Jesus into our arms. And there's a few ways we can, we can do that. Of course, ultimately, we receive him on earth in the Eucharist, body, blood, soul, and divinity, but we also embrace the Word of God. That's really important for us to do. But we also, with with our good deeds, with our works that we do in and for Jesus Christ, that, that's kind of like embracing Him w- with our arms, with our deeds. And we will see Jesus when we when we do these things, when we seek to serve others in His name. We will see Jesus just as Simeon recognized Jesus. We'll see Him in our brothers and sisters who we're trying to serve. We'll see Him in the Eucharist, even though we can't see him with our physical eyes. We know that he is there by faith and nothing can be truer than the word of Jesus Christ, the truth himself, who says that I am present body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist. So that we can really kind of embrace Jesus in this world as well, just as, as Simeon did in word, in the word of God, indeed, in our, in our righteous deeds done in him and through him. And of course, in the, in the Eucharist as well. So that's a great, great, 
uh, attitude to keep as we think about this feast of Candlemas and these incredible um, characters that we meet in the gospel, the aged Simeon, Anna as well, the prophetess, and uh, understanding that not everybody's going to like this message. As Simeon said to Our Lady, a sword will pierce your soul too. This child is destined to cause the fall and the rise of many in Israel. And, and the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed because of him. And so it's true that not everybody's going to like what we have to say about Christ, but it is the truth. It is the truth. And it will it's a revealing light, this light of Candlemas, this light of Christ. It, it illumines uh, a very dark world, but it also is very revealing of what's, what's really there. And some people don't want to come to the light. They'd rather live in the darkness, as it says in John's prologue. But nonetheless, we've got to continue to let our light shine. We'll be right back on the K.O. Clark Show, On Relevant Radio. Hey, welcome back to the program. Great time to call in right now. 888-914-9149. 888-914-9149. Great, great song by John Mayer. And hey, it's a great time to call in. You can ask me a question. Tell me what's on your mind. Ask me anything. Within reason, of course. And we'll try to get you on. 888 Nine one four nine. Well, we are heading into the weekend. It is a Friday, and you know what that means. It's a Friday tradition on the K.O. Clark Show. We're going to give you a little snippet of what you may have missed. Highlight package, we call it the week that was. Let's go. Do you find that women and men think differently politically? Are men tending to be more conservative politically? Are women tending to be more liberal politically? Let's go to John in Orlando. Hey, okay. I just got to tell you, this is a great topic. I have four daughters. My younger two are <laughs> in their mid-20s, are gung-ho for conservative values. I just find that intriguing. In the same family, unfortunately, even with abortion sometimes, they just don't get it, that it's not compassionate to allow a woman to make a choice to kill a baby. But there's still this tendency to like this misguided compassion in my yeah. older daughters. And I think I see it around the country, too, with other women. John, that, that's a really good phone call. I, I like what you said there, misguided compassion, because even if people uh, take a stance on these issues that would conflict with the doctrine of the church, they're usually doing it out of some sort of sense of compassion for others. But as you said, perhaps it's misguided compassion. But what you're saying also kind of tracks with this new research that the younger generations are tending more conservative, which you don't hear a lot about in the media. Today's the feast day of St. John Bosco, by the way, or Don Bosco, as he's often known. Let me tell you about the first vision that he had. It happened when he was 10 years old, and it was in the form of a dream. And there's this group of, I guess you could say, juvenile delinquents, if you will. They were yelling, cursing, blasphemies. And so little John Bosco is like, I'm going to take these guys out. But then all of a sudden, Jesus appears 
robed in light and says, no, 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 this is not the way. But with love and gentleness, you will make these your friends. Little John Bosco is like, I don't think so. Because the next thing that happens in the vision, these teenage ruffians turn into wild beasts, lions, bears, tigers, oh my. And he's like, these guys are animals. But, but then Jesus again said to him, you will change these, my sons. This is a really interesting piece that I read that I just have not been able to get out of my mind. It's called Why I Never Run to Catch an Airplane. This piece was written by Mark Randolph. He figured out that running to catch a plane probably made a difference maybe once out of a hundred times. Quote, I promise you, a 1% chance of success is not enough to ruin a suit over, you know, sweat through this thing. It's not worth sweating uncontrollably next to a disdainful Parisian sitting next to you. 1% simply is not worth the stress of the sprint. I wanted to talk a little bit about one of my favorite saints of all time, St. Ignatius of Antioch. Now, the Romans weren't knuckleheads. They were really smart. They figured, kill the general and the troops will scatter. Let's arrest the bishops and martyr them in grisly ways in the public square, and hopefully everyone will abandon this whole Christianity thing, this whole Catholicism thing. Well, it didn't really work, obviously. The blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. And they parade him, Ignatius of Antioch, throughout the empire sort of to deter this is what's going to happen to you if you stick with this jesus movement every city he stopped in he would preach to people he would encourage them he said i want to, i want their teeth the teeth of the lions to grind me down like pure bread for christ wow wow i mean he was he wanted to be martyred you know he was he wasn't looking for martyrdom but he wasn't running away from it that's for sure and that was the week that was on the kale clark show Thanks to producer Jim Shaper for pulling that through with an assist from Miranda Sinaceros. And I got to tell you, we had a great week. Lots of cool topics, lots of great phone calls by you. If you missed anything, go to the newly redesigned Relevant Radio app. You can download it. You can share it with a friend. Great place to catch up on podcasts over the weekend and also stream live anytime you want. So go to the App Store. If you're on an iOS device, go to Google Play Store. If you're on Android, and download the new version of the Relevant Radio app. And of course, if you aren't listening to the program on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts, why not give us a rating and review? It also helps people to find the shows. So yeah, you can call in right now, 888-914-9149. I'm joined right now by Jim Shaper and Patrick Alog, who's our intrepid researcher and i gotta tell you we haven't had a chance to talk it's been such a busy week we have not had a chance to talk about and it's good because we've got a two-week break we're in week number one mm -hmm. uh, next week is the super bowl next weekend so it's a it's it's a big one mm -hmm. but we haven't had a chance to talk about the results and how we how we're doing in our playoff pool afc championship game the nfc championship game of course the super bowl is set with the chiefs playing the 49ers and who picked that uh, two people did. Um, two out of three of us did. <laughs> <laughs> and that would be, of course, producer Jim Shaper and yours truly. That's right. So we got it right. Got it right. I, I, I have to admit, I was thinking before the uh, the Baltimore Chiefs game, I thought, man, well, maybe I should have picked the Ravens. I can't quote the Ravens nevermore. That's what they're going to say to me. But uh, but I did pick the Chiefs. I, I had a feeling about Mahomes, and, and let me tell you, it, it came through. And uh, um. How did you? What were your picks, Patrick? So my picks were uh, the San Francisco 49ers, which did win. 
Uh, yeah. Barely. Well, sort of barely. I had to come back from a 17-point deficit, and I picked Baltimore. And if you were to tell me that the Chiefs would score 17 points, I would have I would have been like, yeah. And then the Ravens would be would be much better than... I didn't expect the 17-10 ball game. So... Yeah, that's uh, it was it was you know obviously fairly low scoring. Baltimore's defense is pretty elite, but so was Kansas City's. You know, really, mm-hmm. and I think they proved that uh, in that game. But the the Detroit San Francisco NFC Championship game, I, I at halftime I thought, oh my goodness, this this could be a blowout for Detroit. I, I and it's tempting to say that that they did play poorly. And San Francisco obviously played a lot better in the second half, but I, I feel like Detroit let this one slip away. There were so many drop passes, and I really question Detroit's Dan Campbell, their coach. Not I, I know their kicker is not necessarily the, the greatest kicker in the world, Michael Bajan, but but man, they well, it, it's it's fourth it, and one, and you don't kick it. You, you it, make it a three it, score game. It, it's interesting. I wonder if like he saw what happened with the Green Bay Packers, where their kicker didn't exactly do a good job, and he's like, "I am not going to let a kicker lose us the ball game." But if you're already yeah. up by two touchdowns, mm-hmm. get three extra points. It's, it's worth a shot. Why not? Yeah, that, I mean, I mean they, they did go for it a lot on fourth and one in the regular season. They were super super aggressive and you know, playing the percentages. You, you would think, okay. They had enough success in the regular season that you know maybe warranted going for it. And that's that's obviously Dan Campbell's personality, but but man, if they could have gone up three scores, I think that would have been ball game right there. And um, but and also that that crazy carom off uh, the Detroit defensive back's face mask, which was caught by Brandon Ayuk in that long pass, um, set up sets the 49ers up for a touchdown. That, I mean that that again, so many things like that happen in the game. I I do feel bad that, a little that, bit for Lions fans. That, that's like an all time play that will be replayed for years. Yeah, oh, maybe not as much absolutely. as the immaculate reception, but definitely something that fluky and the and yeah. the 49ers uh, winning that game eventually. Yes, it will be replayed for years. Yeah, they're calling out. I think the, the immaculate deflection um, <laughs> in San Francisco, but. Um, of course, if Detroit had won the game, that would all be forgotten. Just like in the Baltimore-Kansas City game, Lamar Jackson caught his own deflected pass, which that was, was an amazing play, play. But it's not going to be as big of a deal now, of course, mm-hmm. that the Kansas City Chiefs won the game. But. Yeah, that's right. And uh, but by the way, how is how is our guy Rich Gannon doing with his he's, with his playoff he, picks? He's the same as you, Kale. You're both uh, eight and four. Okay. He he right. he picked uh, San Francisco and Kansas City. Okay, so there you go. There and you go. And, and, I, and then for clarification, uh, I am nine and three, and Jim is ten and two. I think we're going to save our picks for next week, but Jim and I already know who we're going to pick for both our teams. I, I, I'm, I'm going to give you my pick right now. Oh, I, I, unless okay. I'm bar- barring a barring a crazy injury that happens sometime, you know, in the next uh, few days or during the game, I, I think it's going to be the Chiefs. And and I actually I'm going to say something else. Maybe I shouldn't say this, but. Not and I, I I like the 49ers. I, I really like the 49ers. I always I always have. I always like Joe Montana and Steve Young, and they're one of my favorite teams growing up. But not only do I think that the and obviously San Francisco could win. They, they they've got a great team, but I I think that not only will the Chiefs win. I think the Chiefs are going to kind of blow them out. Really? They're going to wow. blow them out. I think the Chiefs will win by t- somewhere between twenty and thirty points. So twenty we'll and thirty s- points. Save the receipts on this one. Save the receipts on this one. That would be I, beautiful. I, I, <laughs> Jim's son, Sebastian, is a huge Chiefs fan, so I know he's rooting for that, too. What about you guys? you guys want to go ahead and make a Super Bowl pick? Yeah, I'm going to go Kansas City all the way. 
Yeah, okay. I'm going San Francisco just so that if uh, if my team wins, Jim and I are tied. So I'm going for the tie. I'm going for the tie. <laughs> Play for the tie. Play unless the tie. unless you want to do a tiebreaker and points scored or something, but I'm going for the tie. <laughs> yeah, we'll, 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 we'll come up with our points, uh, what, what, what the points is going to be on the game uh, next week. Maybe we've got a few days to do that, but... Um, uh, I just I was listening to Alex Smith, who who played for both teams, as you know, of course, uh, longtime 49er quarterback, uh, also played for the Kansas City Chiefs, and he was Mahomes' mentor, if you will, Mahomes' rookie year, as you might remember, when he was drafted in 2017. Alex Smith played the entire year. Patrick Mahomes, even though they, he, he said, like, in practice, everybody could tell, like, how, how amazing he was, how great he was, but he didn't actually start until the last game of his rookie year. And then, of course... Starting with the with the next season, he's been phenomenal ever since. He's been in the in the AFC Championship game every single year. He's been the starting quarterback six straight times. That's 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 incredibly impressive, and he's going for his third Super Bowl in in the last six years if he can win this one. And anyways, Alex Smith was saying he was on uh, Adam Schefter's podcast. Obviously, Adam Schefter, the famous NFL insider for ESPN. And he, he was telling uh, Shefty that uh, I'm calling him Shefty like I know this guy. Yeah, me and Shefty, uh, we we had a we had a couple beers when Michigan won the national championship. No, um, he, he was telling Shefty that that you know just looking at the San Francisco defense, they are a solid, great defense, but they don't present you with any really like exotic looks or anything like that. And it's pretty vanilla how they play. And when you look at how Mahomes was able to get through, I mean, Baltimore like all time defense. Um, that they had to get through in the AFC Championship game was able to do it. He's just the Chiefs are playing so well right now; they're peaking at the right time. And I just, I don't know. He he just thinks that Mahomes is going to have his way with the 49ers. Uh, and the Chiefs' defense is also playing incredibly well. We can, like on the other side of the ball, like uh, you can't discount those guys. I mean, being able to- however, look at the way the 49ers have won their last two games. They've been behind in both games and come back to win. They do. They definitely have some moxie with them, especially in the second half. So even if Kansas City goes up by 10, 15, even three touchdowns, you never know with, with San Francisco. They're a second-half team. So yeah. That's true. You can't that, you, you can't really count them out. And now if they're da- if they're down by four touchdowns, okay, different story. Yeah, and and and, and there, uh, that also speaks to the fact that they were able to come back against Detroit. I mean, obviously, there was, Detroit had some bad luck and bad decisions, all that as well. But that that speaks to how good the coaching staff is because they made really good halftime adjustments and they were able to get things moving. And um, credit to credit to Brock Purdy too. He gets he gets a lot of flack, but he he, he did a lot to win that game. The San Francisco 49ers quarterback. What a, what a, what a, what a juxtaposition to a quarterback. You know, the highly touted Mahomes, of course. Maybe he's on track to being maybe the best of all time. And things. I mean, body of work. He's not close to Brady yet, but he's getting there. He's getting there. And um, actually, producer Jim sent me a really interesting piece um, interviewing a, 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 one of his heroes, Dick Vermeil. Jim being, of course, a, an old St. Louis Rams fan. And Coach Dick Vermeil coached them to a Super Bowl championship, but he was talking about um, um, Mahomes as being like just like nothing we've ever seen in terms of mobility and the ability to throw in off of any platform, any position, weird angles. He, he just makes things happen, and that's something that you don't you didn't really see from from Brady. He wasn't super super mobile, but. Um, also, Teddy Bruschi, who played with Brady, of course, on the Patriots, he's part of the ESPN NFL Countdown crew. He was saying, like, the first three Super Bowls that the Patriots won with Brady, Brady, you know, 
wasn't asked to to win the game all by himself. He, he wasn't asked to really stretch. He you know did a lot of checkdown plays and. I don't want to say he was, a, he was a game manager. He was he was still pretty great, but he never really got sort of nuclear until later on. He was, like years later, he was throwing fifty touchdowns in a year when Randy Moss was on the team and and, and putting up big numbers. But Mahomes, from the beginning, he's been asked to carry the Chiefs. And, it, and it's almost like though, like Mahomes, the way he's playing now is almost like the way Brady was at the beginning, sort of like not, sort of like managing in a way. So it's, his career's sort of gone in reverse, but he's winning both ways. Yeah, interesting, and yeah, I think he's smart enough to to take the check down when 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 the big play isn't there, and and not not hopefully, you know, the odd time he try he'll try to force something because he's Mahomes and and he's he's amazing, but but um, I think Coach Dick Vermeil is right that um, Dick Vermeil is predicting that as long as things are continuing on this trajectory, he he will be seen as the greatest of all time, but he's he's still got a ways to go to catch Brady. You know, seven Super Bowls is is nothing to sneeze at. That's tough. I know Jim is not a Brady fan, but uh, <laughs> hey, I won't ask you to. Uh, can't can't <clears throat> can't uh, <laughs> deny the numbers there for Tom Brady, but uh, you know it's fun to watch Patrick Mahomes, and uh, I think Dick Vermeil really hit it on the head with uh, what he said about Mahomes, and it, you know you can make one play just scrambling and tossing it at a weird angle, but he does this all the time, and he knows he's going to do it. Defenses know he's going to do it, and they can't stop it. They, they still can't stop it. Yeah, it's one thing to, to know what's coming. It's another thing to stop it. Uh, absolutely. 888-914-9149. We're not going to turn this into sports talk, Radio. We're going to talk about other stuff well, in just a minute. But yeah, yeah well, you're going to say something. I was going to say something uh, also, Kale. How, however, earlier today on Morning Air, um, John Morales and the Morning Air team had Father Richard Rocha, who is the chaplain for the Kansas City Chiefs. So he was on today's show. So you can find that on the relevant radio app. Yeah, it's good. It's good that he was on, and he's been on this program too before. Mm-hmm. He's a friend of our program. Uh, Father Richard Roach is a great, great guy, super, super guy, and yeah, he's the chaplain for the Chiefs. And um, I was thinking about him all throughout this this whole playoff run for, for the Chiefs, of course, and uh, really happy that you know he'll get to go to another Super Bowl. That's it's it's great for him. But what? Just one last thing. And by the way, we can, we can talk about other things as well. Call in triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. But just just before we move on, the whole Taylor Swift phenomenon. How, do you think this is overdone? How, how are you sick of Taylor Swift being shown at every Chiefs game? Yeah, I'm. I'm over it now. I'm fine with it. Whatever, you know. I mean, it's not like they're. It's not like they're showing her while a play is going on. As long as I see the play, it's fine. Yeah, it, what, you know, what's kind of interesting. Everyone thinks that she's been sort of omnipresent, you know, at every game that she's been to. But on average, they're only showing her for 32 seconds every game. It seems like it's a lot more, doesn't it? I mean, with with all the coverage, but. Um, at, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm actually kind of happy about this because she has brought a whole new group of fans to the game that would not necessarily be interested in NFL football. And NFL football is, is clearly the behemoth on, on the national sports scene. As I said um, a few days ago, last year, 82 of the top 100 broadcasts in America were NFL games, including the Super Bowl, of course. But... Um, I read an interview that was uh, with Fred Godelli, who's going to be directing, uh, producing the Super Bowl. He's produced a whole a number of Super Bowls. And he, he was asked, like, what do you think about the whole Taylor Swift angle? Do, do you want to see this? And actually, no, he's not producing this particular game. He, but he said if he were producing this game, he would consider it a gift from the gods, he said, to have, to have her there. Just because it, it's going to attract even more eyeballs. And uh, Tracy uh, Wolfson, who who works with Tony Romo and Jim Nance on their CBS coverage, um, sideline reporter, she says she can't 
like even count how many dads have come up to her, recognized her on the street or whatever, and said, my daughter is now watching football because of Taylor Swift. So, hey, as a girl dad, as a hashtag girl dad, I'm, I'm kind of happy about this. You know, Michaela hasn't exactly uh, caught the football bug yet, but maybe she will. I don't know. We shall see, but it's uh, it's going to be a fun Super Bowl week, and we'll we'll talk more about the game, of course, uh, leading up to next weekend Super Bowl Fifty Eight in Las Vegas at Allegiant Stadium. We're going to be right back on the Kale Clark Show with your phone calls, Susie. I see you on the line. Stay on the line, and there's a couple other open phone lines as well. If you want to call in, triple eight nine one four nine one four nine on this Friday. We'll be right back on the Kale Clark Show. This is The Kale Clark Show, giving you the confidence you need to bring the faith into everyday life. Hey, welcome back to the program. 888-914-9149 is the number to call to talk to me for free. Got some time for your phone calls right now. 888-914-9149. If you call right now, pretty good chance you'll get in. Let's go to the phones right now. Let's go to Susie in Wisconsin. Hi, Susie. Hi, Kale. Thanks for taking my call. You're welcome. You're welcome. So I have a question of what you know about a Hebrew Israelite um, or the the religion. Um, I have a 30-year-old son that has met um, a woman that her background was Baptist, and I understand that she's converting to being a um, Hebrew Israelite. Um, Sometimes I've, or when I've Googled it, they... um, come up as a black Hebrew Israelite, but, um, he's trying to talk her into, um, you know, uh, not doing this and he really likes her. So he's actually trying to talk to her about Catholicism, but, mm-hmm. um, I'm, he's saying that like their book of Matthew is the same as ours. And, um, and, and so I was wondering, you know, regarding the religion I, I don't know. I don't understand it, um, from him if they believe in Jesus, but I, um, so I don't know. It just, um, he, um, Christmas, he called God Yeshua and it's like, okay. well, why aren't you saying God? And <laughs> he said, well, it's the same name. And I like, I don't know, <laughs> but I thought, well, I'll call Kel. Oh, well, Susie. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for calling. I, I, I will try to help. So, um, now, when you when you say that, uh, so it sounds like they're maybe sort of dating your son and this and this lady, um, and you say that she is a she's thinking about becoming a Hebrew Israelite. I I'm not sure what you mean by that, other than what, but but you did mention that they read the Gospel of Matthew, so it doesn't sound like she's considering converting to Judaism. It sounds like maybe it's a a messianic. Christian group does, does that make sense? Like, there are there are congregations okay. uh, uh, there are congregations of, of Jews that do believe that Jesus is the Messiah, and they call themselves Messianic Jews. Uh, I don't know if you, if that's what you're referring to in particular, but uh, maybe you could a- ask, ask them about this a little bit. Yeah. So, um, and there are also, by the way, there are also Hebrew Catholics. There are uh, people who are ethnically Jewish who have come into the Catholic Church. People like Roy Showman. That, that's a. By the way, he he's written a great book. He's written a few great books, actually. Uh, one of them is called "Salvation Is from the Jews." I highly recommend that. Uh, Roy Showman was a guy who studied under some of the leading rabbis in the United States. Um, 
went to MIT, went to Harvard Business School. I mean, he's a super well-educated guy. And through a series of circumstances, he has now become Catholic. And and he wrote a really, really good book about how Catholicism really – and this is, this is something we've been talking about on the Faith Explained show over the last few days, St. Paul's letter to the Romans, because there's this huge section – uh, in the letter where he starts talking about what about, what about Israel? What about the Israelites who have not accepted Jesus as the Messiah yet? Because many of them did. Thousands of, even the New Testament says, people are surprised at this, thousands of Jews did accept Jesus as Messiah. Of course, Jesus is Jewish. His mother's Jewish. All the apostles are Jewish. St. Paul is Jewish. So they don't see it as, change, it's not changing religions for them to become Christians. It just means that they believe that Jesus is the promised Jewish Messiah. And that when the Messiah was was to come, he would open up the true faith to all the peoples of the world. And well, that's what we think the Catholic Church is. It's Judaism with the Messiah having come. It's the Catholic Church, the ecclesia, that's what church means, the called out ones. And so there are, there are many Hebrew Catholics who are ethnically Jewish who have come to recognize Jesus as the Messiah. And uh, even in Israel, I've been to Hebrew Catholic Masses there as well. So, but there are a number of Jews who have, have accepted Jesus as Messiah who, who essentially, uh, the way that they worship and, and what they believe, they're, they're essentially Protestant in their outlook. And these would be the Messianic Jewish congregations, if you will. So maybe that's um, what this young lady is thinking of, uh, a group that she's thinking of joining. I, I, can't, I can't really comment because I don't, I don't know much more about it either. But um, that's... I don't know if that would be helpful to you, but I do. I do think that, um, yeah. I mean, if she's not Catholic, maybe she should be looking into, into Catholicism, obviously, because you kind of get the whole enchilada there. Uh, this is Judaism with the Messiah, plus you know all the gifts that He's given to His people and all the peoples of the world: the sacraments, the fullness of the faith, um, the New Testament, the Word of God, the complete Word of God, and the Bible. Uh, so so many gifts and, and resources. So I, I would recommend that that book. That's a very that's a very good book for for um, for your son to read and check out. Is that is this helpful in Sorry. any way? Um, well, I'll go back to him and see if he can give me more information. He was going to give it through January, so I, I haven't heard. But I was I didn't know if you would know. Is sometimes um, when I googled it, they were talking about the Black Hebrew Israelites. And they are saying that they are the true descendant and not the Jews, the white Jews, I guess. The, um, this other black Hebrew Israelite is the true descendant of Abraham, might, maybe. Yeah, it might be, it might be uh, uh, some sect I've, I've never heard of. Uh, I'm not 100% sure, but there are certainly African Jews like all, all around the world for sure. Um, but they wouldn't say that um, they're separate from the from the rest of the worldwide community uh, of Jews, I guess. Um, oh, by the way, one one thing I did want to say because you mentioned that your son was calling God Yeshua. Well, Yeshua is the the Jewish name for Jesus. That's a Hebrew name for Jesus. Jesus is Yeshua in Hebrew, which is really Joshua. And uh, of course, you know the book of Joshua in the Old Testament. It means God saves. And that's exactly what Jesus does. He, he saves his people. So, yeah, I mean, I, I would say get, get a little bit more information about this specific group and then maybe maybe call me back and let me know more about it and we'll try to, uh, or let me know, send me an email, uh, kale, C-A-L-E, at relevantradio.com. And if you find some more actual info on this particular group, I can maybe try to look it up and 
and uh, find some information on it for you. So, so Susie, thank you so much for, for calling and, and have a, have a blessed weekend. Have All right. Thank weekend. you. You too. Okay. You got it. You got it. All right. Let's go to Joe in Wallington, New Jersey, near Newark. Hi, Joe. Yes. Yeah, just a quickie here. Who's the only Italian prophet in the Bible? The only Italian prophet in the Bible. I have no idea. Well, you last reading was today. Malachi. <laughs> okay. No. <laughs> now I saw the uh, screener there. Uh, I think I'm pretty accurate. If you follow the football teams that come from states that have the most restrictive abortion laws, like Kansas City, Missouri, they seem to be doing very good. I just noticed, and it seems like if, as you go down, the ones that are, you know, more liberal, they come in towards the bottom of the thing. <laughs> uh, I, you think there's a correlation there? I followed it. I could have made some, I, I hope to God it in. I mean, God said, hey, you know, I know I'm talking. And the last thing is, the name Yahweh is talking mm-hmm. about press. Just think, every time you breathe in, you go, yeah. And when you breathe out, you go, away. Oh, hey. So... <laughs> Joe, those are that's 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 an interesting one. That, that's an interesting one, and, and certainly we should. Oh, there, there are all these. Uh, believe it or not, in the desert, fathers used to do these breath prayers where they would uh, they would kind of breathe in and breathe out as, as they pray, and, and recognizing God gives us the very air that we breathe for sure. And uh, they would do that. The, the famous Jesus prayer: Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the Living God. Have mercy on me, a sinner. Maybe they make it even shorter. Lord Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And they'd say the first half is they're breathing in, the last half is they're breathing in. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. So it, prayer should certainly be like breath for us, that, that's for sure. And uh, it's true. It's true. Yes way. Yahweh. It's true. All right. Okay. That's a bad pun. But uh, but no, it, it, it's it's absolutely the case. We've got to pray. Um, and it should be very natural to us, like breathing. All right. Okay. So we've run out of time. Brad, I see you there on the line. Brad, and we can't, we don't have time to take your call, but call back on Monday because I was thinking about talking about St. Blaise. He had a question about St. Blaise. And... Um, for you uh, dads of young children, this has nothing to do with Blaze and the Monster Machines, which is a great cartoon, by the way. Saint Blaze. But maybe we'll talk about him on Monday. So uh, call back, okay? And if you missed any episodes, check the podcast. Jim Shaper produced. Miranda Sinaceros took your phone calls. Patrick Alog helped you break down the playoffs. This is Kale Clark. See you next week. Have a great weekend, everybody. Take it away, Michaela. Thank you for listening to my daddy.